And thanks to all of you for the joy of returning to this place of uh, so many memories and so much joy. As Rick said, uh, I was here in that terrible decade of the 70s. And um, yeah, we want to get this uh, in the right position. Thank you. Um, so maybe you remember, it was the time of Watergate, it was the time of Vietnam, there were assassinations, there were race riots, and yes, there was the ordination of women to the priesthood in the Episcopal Church. And um, there were also revisions to that 1929 prayer book, and honestly, I don't know which was the most traumatic thing in, in, in all of that in all of that mix. But in that mix, I arrived at the office door of 620 G Street looking for a job. And um, today, I came in to through the door. And this weekend, where we're celebrating the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. But honestly, we're also in the mix of, uh, of an amazing week. And we can all sound just like that child <laughs> in response to the week that we've been through. Um, our president is, has, is being impeached. That has begun. We've uh, heard the news that um, the whole government of Russia resigned. We know that Australia has been burning in at over a billion animals. But creatures of the wild have lost their lives. We know that uh, the Philippines have been buried in volcanic ash. And we know that, um, well, we did sign that trade agreement with China, sort of in the midst of, of all of that. We know that the Iowa caucuses are coming soon, and the people still don't know who they're going to vote for. And we know that the, the Astros were called cheaters. I think we knew that. Oh. Um, so, uh, we haven't even gotten to what's going on in your lives and why it is you're here in church on this holiday weekend. Um, so, I'm wondering what brought you here. Um, well, maybe your soul has just been flattened by this past week. And you're here for a restoration. Or maybe you had a wonderful week and you're here to celebrate with others. Or maybe this is just what you do on a Sunday morning. It's your routine. And you know that grace appears in the midst of the ordinary. So whatever the reason, it really doesn't, it doesn't matter well, what I'm going to suggest that maybe what we do, first of all, collectively, we just take a, a long, slow, cleansing breath. Because after all, our breath is our most immediate connection with God's breath. Scripture is just full from the beginning, from Genesis to Revelation about that. God breathes over creation and brings, uh, well, chaos, breathes over chaos and darkness and brings light and creation. 
Then we read the story of Ezekiel and the dry bones and how the breath of God restores that lost energy and death. And then how Jesus, the resurrected one, appears to his disciples in that upper room where the doors were locked and they were frightened and he he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So our breath connects with that breath. And if you're willing, let's just take three long, deep breaths. Nobody has to, but anybody who wants to will take a moment for that. And if you want, you can close your eyes or keep them open. We're just going to breathe. We're just going to breathe together. Three long breaths. So whatever way is right for you, just take one long, slow breath in, remembering that that breath connects to the God of creation. And as you breathe out, let go of any sadness or confusion or anger, anything that would separate you from God's presence. And then with a a second breath, when you breathe in, just draw in that creative, enlivening, renewing breath of God. Whatever places in you need that restoration, that wholeness. And then as you breathe out, just gently let go of anything that would separate you from that wholeness in God. And then with a third breath, let's breathe in, knowing that it is the Spirit of Christ that breathes on you and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And as you breathe out, then just center into and live into that breath of Christ. Well, thank you for doing that with me. Just taking a breath together our most intimate, direct connection with God's breath. Well, first, just a few stories about that time in the 1970s. When you first hired me, this church had never had uh, a clergywoman on its staff. Well, and neither had any other Episcopal church in the United States of America. And so we ventured into that unknown land together So at first, uh, I would say that, you know, the first thing is that that we clergy women didn't know what to be called. Uh, My dad liked to introduce me as my daughter, the father, but somehow I, I didn't think that would work everywhere, so I just settled on being called Carol. But we also didn't know what to wear. I remember our first diocesan convention, one of the other clergy women called me up and she said, you know, there were no garments really made for 
clergy women at that time. She says, well, should we try to find a collar and wear a collar to this convention? And, and I said, well, I, I think I'm going to wear pearls. <laughs> and then, um, you know, maybe uh, you know that those, that decade of the 70s was the time here in Washington, D.C., maybe all along the, the eastern seaboard when we were all infected with the virus of busyness and workaholism. And my spiritual director said to me as I, as I began this work here, he said, you know, Carol, the most prophetic thing you could do, the, the most challenging thing you could probably do to show people there's another way of, of being, another way of living, he said, what you could do is you could, you could sit in your office reading a book with your feet propped up on the table and the door open. And I thought about that for all of five seconds and said, that is never going to happen. <laughs> I, I just didn't have the courage to do that. So I'm passing that on to you, Rick, <laughs> in case there's, there's ever a need again. Well, ordinations that year in 1977 took place at the National Cathedral. Uh, because it was the first time of ordaining women in this Diocese of Washington. And it was this time of year in January, back when snow and ice used to be on the ground. And outside the cathedral, there were several hundred folks protesting and picketing uh, because they, they did not agree with that decision to ordain women. But inside the cathedral, there were several thousand uh, who were celebrating that historic moment. And Christ Church, the folks from here, were there for that, uh, for that time in our common life together. And the following Sunday, you had invited me to preside at the, at the altar here, at the table. And um, you presented me with this chasuble that had been made by the people here of Christ Church. And um, I've always cherished it, lo, these many years. I've worn it as often as I could at baptisms and weddings and funerals and any day that is called for a, a white garment. But in addition to creating this chasuble, um, the folks who made it gave me a legend for it. You can see that there are different swatches that make up the design. And the legend said each one of these swatches came from somebody in the congregation. That this one came from baby Mary's baptismal dress. And this one came from Ed's favorite square dancing shirt. And, and, and this one came from the clown costume that so-and-so wore when we had balloons in the church. And so this garment represents the names, the faces, the people, the, the faithful of this congregation from that decade. So over time, I've, I've lost that legend, but it, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really matter because by the unbroken bridges of bread and wine and water and word, somehow those people 
have become, have become us. And so today, this community of men, women, and children is that community of men, women, and children. And now it's your hands and your hearts and your way of praising God and your way of extending service that is the heartbeat of this congregation here at 620 G Street. And so standing here and looking back at that time, I, I'm just amazed at the resilience of this church. You know, 225 years here in the nation's capital is not a small thing. It's a wonder. It's a wonder. Like Christ has a church here and has not let it go and will not let it go. And that this little jewel of a place has been breathed on by the Spirit and has stood true to its name. And the abundant gifts of the Creator are pouring through this space and being offered in multiple ways through your hands and your hearts. I just recently read uh, something by Craig Barnes, who's the president of Princeton Theological Seminary. And he said, there's a secret to understanding the persevering health of a church in the midst of the many narratives of decline. He said, churches are not healthy because they're sufficiently growing or diverse or making a profound impact on their communities. Although you may be doing all of those things or none of those things. But he said a church is healthy because even when two or three come together in the name of Jesus Christ, he is in their midst. And where Christ is present, the most miraculous things are possible. So this historical looking back and the scriptures that we heard this morning really are an invitation to just look deeper at our own lives, deeper at when 